This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 148. Hi, I'm Ray Edwards, author of How to Write Copy That Sells. And you know, so many books, so little time. The man who will help you decide which books are worth reading, it's Jeff Brown and the Read to Lead podcast. I think it's very important to look for a way to build some processes around how you create content. It just supports you as a content creator. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We talk about leadership, of course, and also related topics like personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and a lot more. Marketing, getting the focus today. If you are trying to develop a personal brand all your own or for a company, yours or someone else's, then this episode is for you. In a moment, we'll be joined by Pamela Wilson. She's the author of Master Content Marketing, a simple strategy to cure the blank page blues and attract a profitable audience. I'm going to be asking Pamela about why she believes consistency is one of the keys to your content marketing's success, her lazy approach to content marketing, and why it's an approach you should aspire to, Pamela's seven-part formula for content creation, and much, much more. Still room for you in my Get Unstuck coaching program. If you're unsure as to the next steps to take in your career, I'm here to help. Get one-on-one coaching from me as part of my Get Unstuck coaching program. You can view an application and get more information when you text the word UNSTUCK to 44222. That's UNSTUCK to 44222. That works in the U.S. only, by the way. Again, that's UNSTUCK. Text that word to 44222. Pamela Wilson has been helping people get their ideas out into the world uh, since I was a wee lad, 1987. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's actually when I started in radio, uh, same year. Uh, She started her career as a marketing consultant and graphic designer and began her online business, BigBrandSystem.com, in early 2010. And in 2014, she joined the team at Rainmaker Digital, publishers of the Copyblogger blog, Now, in case you don't know, Copyblogger is the industry standard content marketing resource on the web. And Pamela manages the Copyblogger editorial team and Rainmaker digital content marketing education programs like Authority and the Copyblogger certified content marketing program. She, as luck would have it, is also the author of the brand new book, Master Content Marketing, a simple strategy to cure the blank page blues and attract a profitable audience. I'm excited to have her. Pamela, welcome officially to Read to Lead. Thank you so much, Jeff. And I I think we need to say, welcome to Read to Lead, the HubSpot Marketing's top 10 list of best (laughs) podcasts about business and management. I mean, that is an incredible list that you just made. Well, well, thank you. You know, oftentimes when I see lists like that shared, I think, okay, you know, how many of the people on the list does the author 
of the piece know personally. <laughs> right. And, and I, I'm happy to say I have no clue who the author is. We've never met uh, and I've never had a conversation with him. So I, I think it's fairly legit. At least I hope it is. <laughs> and it's so I think it's so important because honestly, if you want to make it in business and management, you should be reading a lot. Mm. So I'm very happy that they gave your podcast an extra push on that with that list. I think it's wonderful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Well, I am often uh, surprised to learn that a lot of folks don't know what content marketing is, and that may include you. And so just in case that does include you, I wanted to start by asking Pamela uh, for context and to make sure everybody is up to speed. Define content marketing for us, Pamela. Mm -hmm. What do you mean when you talk about content marketing? You know, I think people know the marketing piece of that equation. They're (laughs) like, oh, marketing. I know what marketing is. Marketing is all about sending me a bunch of messages from a company that are annoying and (laughs) intrusive, right? People know that. But one of the reasons I really love content marketing is content marketing rather than just foisting these unappreciated and annoying messages on people who aren't looking for them. Content marketing actually provides information. It provides useful, engaging, hopefully engaging information And that information tends to draw the right people to your business, and it allows you to build a relationship with them, which is, it just has a very different feel than typical marketing, which is just kind of inherently annoying, I think, you know? (laughs) Um, And I, I came from that world. I came from the traditional marketing world. So when I found content marketing, it was just... I I thought it was such a wonderful approach to basically serving the people who you eventually wanted to develop a commercial relationship with. Mm. Well, I come from that world, too, having spent some time in radio where, you know, the marketing is all about interruption, right? Uh, You're listening to the radio station for music, not for ads. Uh, And and coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, this is the first Read to Lead podcast episode in several months not to have an ad associated with it. We didn't do that just for Pamela. It just turned out that way. Uh, but let's touch on that journey, Pamela, from sort of traditional marketing to to working with Copyblogger. How did that come to be? It's interesting because you come from radio. So I come from publication design. I've designed a lot of magazines and that kind of, you know, sort of print content. And the thing that's interesting about magazines is people buy the magazine. They don't buy it for the most part for the ads. They're (laughs) buying it for the content. They're interested in the articles and the information inside the magazine. And the ads are just this intrusive thing that they try to get past as quickly as possible. Mm. Well, what content marketing does is it's basically marketing in the form of delivering those articles to people, those articles that people would go out and search for in, say, a magazine, except nowadays those articles are being delivered on websites. So it's, I think it's a a much more comfortable way for everyone. And the biggest difference is that the people you want to reach are actually actively looking for your information. So I come from that field like you said, almost 30 years at this point. And back in 2010, I decided to start an online business, which, as you mentioned, is Big Brand System. I had heard about this content marketing idea, but the problem for me was that I never considered myself to be a writer. Mm. 
I was always the person who, you know, I was like a marketing consultant. I would help my clients figure out how to market their businesses. But when it came time to actually get something written, I would hire a writer. (laughs) I was not the person who would do the writing myself. And I would provide the visual piece of it. So the visual end of the project would end up in my lap and, you know, like the project uh, supervision and management and all of that. I would take care of that. So I start this online business. I knew I wanted to use the thing content marketing and I'm drawing air quotes because at that (laughs) time it was just this thing. I wasn't really sure what it was and I didn't feel secure about writing. So of course I Googled it and I landed on Copyblogger and it just so happened that Copyblogger was opening up this huge course that they had at the time. So I enrolled in this course and basically started from the ground up to understand how content marketing could work and how you could build an audience by offering up really effective and engaging content. So I started from there, learning from there. And one of the reasons I wanted to write this book was I wanted to capture everything that I have learned over these past six years as a non-writer <laughs> who got to the point that I I now write content for one of the most respected blogs in the world. I mean, I just, I still can't quite believe that. <laughs> um, and I'm managing the editorial team. So, and there were specific ways that I did that, specific processes I used, and probably some, and I'm sure you saw this in the book, there are some mindset things that I think are important as well. Mm. And I wanted to share those while they were still fresh in my mind, because I, you know, you move away from being a beginner and sometimes you don't remember what it was like to be a beginner. So I wanted to capture it while I could. Well, I think the story is incredible, especially from the standpoint of, of, of you not being someone who considered themselves a writer and, and to look at what you're doing now is, I mean, that's just an incredibly short journey, really. When you look at it, six years, that's not that that long of a period of time to go from from basically point A to point Z, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, talk about, and I preach this all the time with my clients, Pamela, but talk talk about the, the role of consistency and, and, and why you feel like it plays a key role in our content marketing's uh, success. Consistency does play a key role. I actually think consistency is the thing. It's (laughs) the thing that has to work. Um, You can write one amazing piece of content. You can write what I, you know, what we call the epic piece of content that maybe you pour a lot of time into a lot of research and maybe you create graphics around it and you promote it. But one epic piece of content will hardly make a dent. <laughs> it's when you consistently offer up helpful and interesting content. And when you do so with kind of an identifiable voice. So the idea is you want to do this with a voice that people say, oh, I and I don't mean speaking voice. I mean, mm. writing voice, right? Mm. Um, you deliver that information in a way that is kind of identifiable and that people can relate to. And that's the kind of thing when you do it over time, it just builds trust. I like to compare it to an offline business. So you and I both come from the offline business world where you would get together with people, you know, to have a coffee or to have lunch and there were handshakes or you Hmm. would go to an in-person meeting. There was just a lot of in-person contact. But when you have an online business, you can't rely on any of that. So the way that you build trust is you just show up on a consistent basis and you are consistently helpful as well. 
that's something I think a lot of podcast content creators miss, uh, the power of consistency. And uh, there, there are so many problems solved when you can just, as you said, Pamela, show up again and again and again. Well, describe a little bit about this, this process that you call the lazy approach uh, to content marketing and why it's an approach that, that we should aspire to. Yeah. You know, content marketing is hard. It's hard to create content. And like we just said, consistency is so important. And that's really what gives it the impact over time when you can create it consistently. So I think it's very important to look for a way to build in some processes and some efficiencies when it comes time to create content. The same way we would do really in any aspect of our businesses, in our bookkeeping or our accounting work, or the way we maybe, if we have a service-based business, the way we estimate a service that we're going to provide and Mm. the way we invoice. I mean, we have processes around all of these things. And if you can build some processes around how you create content, It just supports you as a content creator. If you get some of those repetitive aspects of of content creation down into what really ends up being a habit, Mm. then it becomes so automatic that it's more fun, really. You can focus more on the creative aspect of it rather than the task-oriented part of it. You don't have to think as much and you can just enjoy and I want to dig into some of those a little bit more in just a moment. First, though, I want to uh, to talk about the warming up process, as you call it. I tend to be the kind of person that wants to edit as I write. And, and because of that, I find that I write better pen to paper. If I'm at the keyboard, I'm constantly editing instead of just letting it flow. Talk a little bit about this process, uh, Pamela, of warming up and why it's important uh, not to overthink our writing. Yeah, I always tell people, write forward, don't write backward, (laughs) especially when you're writing a first draft, just keep going down the tracks and don't try to back up. Mm. Because um, I, I really think I mean, I've been a creative person my whole career, um, and have built my career out of the ability to tap into my creativity, honestly. Mm. So whether it was through visuals or, or now through writing, and I always think about creativity as kind of like this this little bird, right? So you have this little bird and you want the little bird to come and eat out of your hand. Well, <laughs> if you want the bird to eat out of your hand, you can't go running after it, waving your arms like crazy because the bird flies off and doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And that's kind of like creativity. I mean, I think creativity is it needs to be invited in and it needs to feel supported and nurtured and like it won't be judged harshly right Mm. so you have this part of your mind that as you're writing if the editor is sitting on your shoulder critiquing what you're writing the creativity will just go right out the window i mean it's like oh you know somebody is standing in judgment of me here so i'm leaving i'm not going to play here anymore (laughs) right so to me that's what warming up does it helps you to tap into the creative part of your mind And if you can hold back judgment and just think of it as something that you're playing at, you know, like I'm going to play at this. I'm not expecting any results. I'm just going to warm up and get things going. And then, you know, maybe an idea will pop up and that's the one that I will run with. Mm. 
I, I just think that process is so important and it can take five minutes at the beginning of your writing session. It can honestly just take five minutes, hands on keyboard, just type whatever comes to mind and have no judgment. And it, it just gets you moving. Something that I think a lot of people struggle with, and I, I certainly would include myself here, is just the editorial calendar side of this this whole ball of wax, the, the planning process. Talk a little bit about that and also uh, matching our content to, to our customers' uh, journey. One thing that we have identified at Copy Blogger is that readers, they, they sort of land on your content looking for specific things. And it depends on where they are in terms of their knowledge of your topic. Mm. So, we think about them in terms of beginning readers, intermediate readers, and advanced readers. And they want different things. So the beginning reader oftentimes is looking almost for a definition. Like in the case of big brand systems, somebody might land on big brand system and say, what is branding? Or what is a logo? You know, how do you define it? What, what makes it up? What are the component parts? What do, what is the basic information I need to understand about this topic just to get going with it. So that's the beginning reader. And there are a lot of beginning readers. And there is this unending source of beginning readers who, you know, as I say in the book, a lot of times beginning readers are on your site looking for that information because they're too embarrassed to ask someone in person. <laughs> so they're doing a web search, right? So you do have to provide some information for those beginning readers and make sure even as you become more sophisticated about your topic, make sure that you are always serving those beginning readers because there are a lot of them. And over time, those beginning readers become intermediate readers. So once they move into that category, they start thinking about how they can do certain things. In the case of my site, how can I do branding? How can I get a logo done? How can I use color? How can I use typography? They want how-to posts, they want tutorials, they want to actually start interacting with your topic. And then the advanced readers are looking for mastery. So they want to become really good at something. Mm. So how to how to create an award-winning logo or how to choose typography that won't go out of style in five years. I mean, they want, you know, almost professional level information. The other really confusing thing when it comes to content marketing and digital based businesses in general is a lot of people don't understand where content free content stops mm. and where paid products begin. So paid products usually begin with those advanced readers who are willing to pay you for detailed step by step information so that they can truly, truly master your topic. So that's, that's a way to think about, you know, what do I put out there and share for free? And then what do I sell? Well, what you sell is the actual step-by-step -step process. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Well, Pamela has divided the book into four sections and much of what we've talked about up to now covers section one. I want to transition into section two of the book where Pamela lays out her seven part uh, formula for content creation. But before we jump into that, Pamela, what are some of the advantages to breaking it all down before, uh, as you say, building it back up again? 
You know, I think the thing about content marketing, especially if you don't identify as a writer, someone who was born, you know, with the writing (laughs) gene in place, right? Which honestly, I think even writers don't necessarily feel like master writers. So what I have found is if you break it down and think about it in its component parts, it just becomes less overwhelming. And typically, when you're thinking about these elements of a good piece of content, some of them will come easier to you. Writing some of them or putting together some of them may come easier and then some may be tougher. So rather than feeling stuck, completely stuck on the piece of content, when you start to struggle with this one piece, what I did is in the book, I tried to create it so that no matter what piece of it was giving you a hard time, you would have a resource and you would have some ideas for how to get through that one piece that had you stuck so that you don't get stuck because a lot of people give up, you know, they give up before they've really um, thought through the piece of content. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to encourage people to stick with it and and stay at it. Mm -hmm. Well, would you be willing to walk us through those uh, seven steps and and maybe briefly describe uh, what each one is, is designed to do? Yes, absolutely. So, If you think about a piece of content from top to bottom, see if you can kind of visualize it in your mind. So the seven pieces are the headline, the first sentence, which seems ridiculous that I wrote a whole chapter about a first (laughs) sentence, but I'm going to tell you why. There's a good reason. So headline, first sentence, introduction, subheads, main copy, summary, and call to action. So your headline typically is the thing that gets clicked on. This is the piece of your content that serves almost like an ad out there on the internet that is going to draw people over to your piece of content. So your headline is super important. There's a huge chapter in the book about headlines, and I have like 50 headline templates that people can use to generate ideas for headlines. And I recommend people spend a lot of time coming up with a headline because if you end up with a wimpy headline, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter how good your content is. Mm. The chances are really good that people just won't see it. They just won't ever click and go over to take a look at it. So headlines, and then we have the ridiculous full chapter about the first (laughs) sentence. So, um, And the reason I wrote a chapter about the first sentence is that you may have attracted them with your headline, but if you lose them with your first sentence, all is lost. I mean, at this point, they still have their hands on, they're sort of hovering over the back button, right? (laughs) So you have to keep them engaged and you want to pull them down into the rest of your content. So the first sentence is really important. It's almost as important as your headline. And then the introduction section, and if you're using a content management system, the introduction section is typically what goes before the more tag. Mm. And the more tag is it allows you to create like a, a blurb that almost gives people, you know, a little introduction, a little taste of your piece of content before they read the whole thing. It's typically what would display on a blog homepage. So you see the headline, the first sentence, and maybe a couple of paragraphs before you go into the rest of the post. And then you might have a link that says like read more or click to see the rest or something like that. And that introduction section, again, is super important because it's another barrier that you have to get people past Mm -hmm. so that they'll go in and continue to read the rest of your content. Then I wrote a chapter about subheads and subheads are super important as well because 
subheads are a way to keep people's interest high and divide up your content into logical subsections. Um, I think subheads can be your best friend when you're putting together a piece of content. In the book, as you saw, one of the things that I recommend is that you split the content creation process over several days. And on the first day, the only thing I ask you to do is to write a headline and figure out your subheads. Mm. And if you do that, you have a backbone that you can sort of hang the rest of the words on, right? <laughs> you have this structure that you can build the rest of the piece of content on. And then there's what I call the main copy, which is basically everything that's going to fit underneath your subheads. And if you've thought through your subheads and you've thought through a logical progression for your information, the main copy is just basically right, filling it in and getting it you know, all written out. And on the first day that you're working on your content, it's writing forward and not writing backward. It's not editing, it's just getting <laughs> it written, right? And then the summary is a section that I think most strong pieces of content have, but you may not have noticed it before. <laughs> and the summary is usually just a sentence or two that kind of refers back to what you talked about at the beginning of the piece of content. And, and just kind of reinforces what the person has learned. Um, a short summary can make, it, it can give people almost like a sense of completion, like, oh, I've been on a journey. Mm -hmm. It only took three minutes, but I've been <laughs> on a journey and this is what I learned. And it just gives them a good feeling like of accomplishment almost. And it's a good feeling to have when you go into the final section, which is the call to action, which is where you're asking people to act on the information that you just shared. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you want them to buy a product or opt into an email list, which those are very viable calls to action. It could be as simple as, you know, leave me your thoughts on this post. Mm. But basically, you're asking people to act on the information that you just shared, because in the end, you know, our content marketing has a business purpose. And we do want people to take some kind of action when they finish reading it. So the call to action is important. A lot of people, you know, forget about it or leave it out. But I, I believe it's very important, even if it's something small, like share this with your friends or leave a comment, you know, answer this question in the comments, something like that. Uh, you hinted at this a moment ago, but it's not necessary, is it, to do each of these seven elements in order? No, not at all. I, I want people to be aware that they exist. Some right. of them, you know, as I said, some of them are possibly parts of content that people have not really noticed in the past, like the importance of the first sentence. Um, that's something you need to really think through how you're going to draw people in from the very start. Um, it's kind of a make it or break it moment. And that summary at the end, again, it's something that people may not have noticed, but really sophisticated, well-written content tends to have some kind of a summary element at the end of it. So, but you absolutely don't have to do them in order. And as I said in the book, I mean, I do share a process for getting your content written over several days that makes it easier and more efficient. That's my lazy approach, by the way, is basically <laughs> breaking it up over several days and, and taking it a piece at a time. But as I said, at the end of that chapter, like, 
if you don't like this process, just ignore it. I mean, it's not <laughs> a requirement. It has worked for me and I wanted to share it, but it's certainly not a requirement. And sometimes my content doesn't come together that way. Sometimes I have to turn something around in an hour or two, and that's just the way it is. I, I use the basic process, but it's condensed in time. Now, people consume your content one person at a time, whether that's written content or whether that's a podcast like this one, yet again and again and again, I hear people addressing everybody. Yes. Uh, why is it important in your mind that you write to a single reader? You know, those stock photo images that have like the group of people gathered around a computer screen and they're all <laughs> looking at the screen and they're happy. The reason those look so <laughs> fake is because that never happens. <laughs> that It just never, it doesn't happen that way, right? <laughs> right so right. We, we see that image and we're like, oh God, another <laughs> image of the happy office workers all looking at somebody's computer screen. It just does not happen. <laughs> so... It is. It's a one-to-one -one medium, and, and that's such a beautiful thing if we can embrace that and just imagine a single person that we're talking to. Our content is going to feel so much friendlier and, and more approachable. The interesting thing is that major corporations are actually working really hard to hit that tone mm. that for all of us should feel fairly easy because I think most of the people listening you know, we have smaller businesses. So sounding approachable and sounding friendly should feel kind of natural. Well, I recommend that you check out this book for lots of reasons, not the least of which is I think you'll quickly find that this will become a, a guide that you go back to again and again. I'm already seeing that being the case for me uh, no longer than I've owned a copy of the book. So kudos to you on that one, uh, Pamela. Before I move on to some questions not directly related to the book, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that we that we know? I, I am sitting here smiling from ear to ear because I'm so happy to hear you say it's <laughs> like a, a guide because that was exactly what I was going for. Mm. Um, you happen to have a print edition. It, it is available in Kindle and on iPad, you know, an iBook store. Uh, I just finished recording the audiobook, so it's available in a number of formats. But one thing that I did with the print edition is I printed it in this format that it's just not sized like a normal book, right? <laughs> it's almost square. And what that means is that when you open the book and you have it open on your desk, it almost lays flat. Mm. And I was, that was a very intentional decision. I have a publication design background. So that was, you know, like the form of the book was very important to me. And I really wanted it to be the kind of thing that people could keep next to them. And when they got stuck, they could just flip to a part of the book. And in the book, I even recommend, like, I want you to put dog ears on these pages and turn <laughs> down the corners so you can get back to them quickly or stick a post-it note on it. There's nothing that would make me happier than to see copies of this book that were all banged up and, you know, from being used. That's really what I was going for. So yeah, that that would be the thing I would say is just the print edition is, uh, it has been designed intentionally. 
I'm a big fan of the square book. Dan Rome uh, is known for his his share of square or landscape books versus the portrait uh, orientation. So I'm a big fan of that for, for the reasons you mentioned and, and more. Uh, think about uh, some of the books you've enjoyed over the years. Pamela, what would you say are the, the two or three titles that, that immediately come to mind as having had the biggest impact on you? Mm. Well, I love this question, and I thought of two. One is from way, way back in my history, and then one is more recent. So the very first self-help book that I remember reading was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read that. I was staying at my grandmother's house, my beloved grandmother's house, one summer. I think I was about 12. And I read that book. It was just a fantastic book to read just as I was about to go into my teen years, you know, because it's a time when you feel socially very insecure and and uncomfortable. And and so it just made me feel like I understood how to get along with people. and it sort of set me on this love of self-help books. That is by far the genre that I read the most of, mm. probably for better or for worse. And the reason I say that is because, <laughs> it, and I'm sure you've noticed this, some self-help books are terrible, mm. I think. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. So, so one of the things, and I, you know, the book that I wrote probably falls into that category of self-help, right? So one of the things that I wanted to do when I was putting this book together was to think back to all the things that I got really annoyed at (laughs) with all those self-help books that I read and then the things that I really appreciated that authors had done. Mm. So I've read a lot of self-help books where I, you know, it feels like the first third of the book, the author is selling you on how great this book is going to be and how great this information is going to be Mm. instead of just getting to the meat of the information. So that was something that I tried to do. I mean, I have an introduction. I think it is important to get people excited about what you're about to teach them. But then it, you know, pretty quickly, you need to drop that and start actually (laughs) teaching, right? So (laughs) that's what I did in my in my book. And I also read a lot of books that had checklists at the end of chapters that had had a lot of information in them. Mm. So that was something else that I incorporated. So that that book was very influential. Uh, And then more recently, there's a book called Predictable Success by an author named Les McEwen. I don't know if you've seen that one, but I have been recommending that book to everyone in the past couple of years. Mm. I read it in 2015, so I actually read it last year. But what it does is it details the stages of growth of an organization, which does not sound at all like it would be interesting, right? (laughs) But the cool thing is he gives them names and then he talks about what you can expect at every stage of growth. Mm. And I'll tell you, you've been in the business world for a while. So have I. You read this book and you're just nodding the whole time (laughs) like, oh, I've experienced that. And I know what that looks like. And that stage right there, that's exactly (laughs) where my organization is right now. And the cool thing is he shows you how you can kind of navigate through these different stages and get to the ideal stage, which is predictable success. It's where you have systems and processes and the right people in place so you can count on being successful. It, it just was one of those books that blew my mind. So every everyone I meet, I, I've been recommending predictable success. 
two great uh, suggestions. Thank you for those, Pamela. Be sure and put those uh, links to those in the show notes. And, and, and the Les McEwen book I had not heard of. It's not on my radar, so I'm going to definitely check that one out. Well, I've had a chance to, to hear you uh, speak a couple of times here recently. One at uh, Craft Content Nashville. Then you were on a panel at the Tribe Conference here recently in Nashville. I want to ask you, Pamela, as someone who does a, a fair amount of public speaking, what are some of your tips for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk? What goes into that process for you? I, a lot of it is just editing down and figuring out what one message I really want mm. people to take away from the presentation, what one thing I want them to remember. I think a lot of us forget that in the course of an event, people are exposed to a lot of different speakers with a lot of different ideas. Mm. So, you know, if you were the single solitary speaker that they were going to hear that day, it would be one thing. But when you are one of many, it's important to really edit down and figure out, like, what is the one concept I want people to walk away from and then try to build your presentation around that concept. And one of the things and I, you know, you probably saw this in the book, and I think it it kind of follows through in the education that I create both in my job and just in general, like when I'm speaking, I try to create an obvious structure mm. that's easy to follow. Um, because I mean, the thing about public speaking is it's kind of, it's all kind of abstract and floating around in the air, <laughs> right? So right. the way that you, the way that you make it more concrete is you give it a structure and you say, I'm going to teach you three things about this one concept and here's thing one and here's thing two and here's thing three, mm. which sounds like it would be extremely boring, but most people are very grateful that you have laid it out and you've broken it down for them. So that's probably the other thing that I rely a lot on, too, is just kind of structure so that the information makes sense and it's memorable. And I'm less likely to fall asleep in church when that method is used. I'll just put interesting. that out there. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's something about it. I, I just think it helps. You know, you're doing people a favor when you provide information within some kind of a structure. Well, now that the book has been out for a few weeks and your job is completely done, <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> what's uh, what's next up for you? What are you and your team working on now, whether that's you uh, personally or uh, the folks at Rainmaker? What's what's coming up that you're excited about? Yeah, we, we are always cooking things up. So we have some new educational projects that we're talking about. One of them potentially could be a course that's based on some of the concepts in this book. So mm. I'm excited about that. Um, because we do, we have a course for more advanced writers. It's that certified content marketers program. And that's for mm. people who are professional content marketers who are marketing themselves that way and who want to get you know, kind of a higher level of knowledge um, that they can then charge for. So that's one group. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people like the person I was back in 2010, someone who really did not feel comfortable writing, wasn't even sure how to get started. Mm -hmm. So we would love to create something for that audience of people as well. And I think you probably know we build a piece of software called the Rainmaker Platform, mm -hmm. and that is an all-in-one software for people who run online businesses. And it's created by people who have run many online businesses. So it's a cool piece of software because it, it kind of takes 
the things that we found difficult about other software that we have used, and it solves them and presents them all under one in one package, basically, that's easy to use. So we're, we're always making improvements on that. The newest thing is that it now offers email marketing, which is pretty amazing. Oh. Yeah, it's built in as part of the software. So, And I'm working on my second book, which I am going to be co-writing with Sonia Simone, who mm. works, she's one of the partners at Rainmaker Digital, and she and I teach a lot of the, the content on the copy blogger side of the business. So... That's exciting, too. Oh, you don't mess around. <laughs> I, You know what? I really enjoy the book writing process. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a challenge for sure, a personal and professional challenge, but I, I loved it. I just loved the whole thing, so I couldn't wait. I mean, as soon as this one was out, I'm like, all right, next. <laughs> <laughs> well, the name of this book, again, is Master Content Marketing, A Simple Strategy to Cure the Blank Page Blues and Attract a Profitable audience, and it will definitely send you well on your way to doing exactly that. Uh, I guarantee it. The first ever guarantee from the host of Read to Lee. <laughs> wow, that's an honor. Thank you so much, Jeff. And I'm so glad you took a look at it. I know you look at a lot of books, so it's an honor to have you take a look at it and, and to be able to talk to you about it. For anyone trying to master content creation, I mean it when I say this is a book you'll refer back to again and again. We have, of course, linked to it in the show notes, along with the other books and resources that Pamela and I talked about. And I've included all the ways you can get in touch and connect with her there as well. All of that is at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 148 for episode 148. If you're outside the States, shoot me an email with the word unstuck in the subject line if you'd like more information about my Get Unstuck stuck coaching program in the states just text the word unstuck to 44222 we're up to 290 ratings and reviews in itunes the latest of which is from everything in between who says it's a powerful podcast the go-to podcast for leadership and inspiration fantastic content and delivery thank you highly recommended to anyone looking for resources for growth will you be number 291 go to read slash itunes to leave your rating and review there. That's going to do it for another week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 